Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the world of business together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today, all the way from New York City, is Andre Papancha, co-founder, CEO and chief product officer of NLX, the conversational AI platform. Growing up in Romania, Andre first developed his web design skills while still at primary school. You heard that right. With his parents registering a business for him to sell his services to local companies. At high school, he started playing around with AI, artificial intelligence. Of course, you knew that. As he says, learning a lot by doing. And that approach took him to American Express, where he built the first version of the company's conversational AI engine, which went on to process the majority of the traffic on its website and mobile app. In 2018, Andre launched NLX with co-founders Vlad, his brother, and Peter Serso, that's Hungarian, just in case you wanted to know. Their vision, to redefine how people interact with brands by offering frictionless conversational AI technology. NLX's clients now include Comcast, Red Bull, and United Airlines. And last year, they launched The Showroom, a live, customizable conversational AI platform for Amazon Web Services customers. It's lovely to have you here. And as I mentioned, you're in New York City. So we're, we're doing this with the wonders of technology. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. Very excited to chat. Good, good. I, and chatting is obviously rather important in this world because most of us now, in all sorts of ways, are chatting with entities, I'm going to use that word, that aren't real. And that is uh, enter stage left Andre. Tell me about your fascination with artificial intelligence and when that began. Well, it's probably important to note that I've been fascinated with technology in general for as long as I can remember. Back when I was still in Romania, I've been in the United States for about 11 years now. But back when I was growing up in Romania, my parents opened up an LLC when I was in fifth grade so I can uh, legally sell my web development and design services to local businesses. That journey took me across the computer science stack, if you may, from building things within operating systems all the way to front-end, back-end, mobile, so like everything from websites to mobile apps to, you know, back-office systems. I kind of dabbled with a little bit of everything there. And along the way, I used to pick up a lot of the projects that I didn't quite know how to do. And as I moved over to, to the U.S., came here for college, then moved over to New York to get a master's in computer science here at Columbia University. And then after a few startup stints, both while at Columbia and a little bit after, I ended up joining American Express. And after a strenuous sequence of interviews with American Express and no concrete context of what I was going, going to work on, except for the people I was interviewing with came off very intelligent and interesting. So I was just kind of curious to join them. First day on the job, they asked me, like, how do you feel about working on bots? And I said, well, I don't quite know what you mean by working on bots, but sure, let's go for it. And fast forward a year, a year and a half later, by the time I left American Express, the platform I built for them was handling a majority of the customer service interactions, essentially the first touch point between American Express and its customers over the AmericanExpress.com and the American Express mobile app. And specifically what I built there was a conversational AI platform and assistant that 
would aid card members with all kinds of questions or business processes that they were looking to address with the company. Through that experience, I was exposed to a lot of interesting, well, first of all, the world of not, I wouldn't say just artificial intelligence, because I've been exposed to artificial intelligence more broadly speaking ever since I was in school. Artificial intelligence has existed for many, many years. And I think maybe for the last 12 months or so, it's been somewhat synonymous with conversational AI specifically, and more so even with the likes of ChatGPT. But it's it's really not accurate to call all of AI mm. uh, just related to, to those particular services. But I was exposed to a great deal of providers in the space at the time that enabled companies or developers to leverage natural language processing technologies, so to speak. And simply put, those technologies are concerned with extracting structured context out of unstructured text. So simply put, if you say hello to one of these systems and you send it to one of these uh, natural language processors, you might get back, hey, I think this is a greeting. I'm 92% confident that that's what it is. And then from there, the application that leverages that output and, and makes sense of coming back and saying, hey, I'm the American Express customer service agent. How can I assist you today? Andre, you mapped out very articulately how you arrived at this point of identifying some really interesting technology. But you said so many things that are worth quickly picking up. Uh, LLC, you mentioned, a, a limited liability company. Your parents set this up when you were in fifth grade. How old were you at that time? Just because our people in different parts of the world have different ages for these different year groups. Do you remember? I want to say probably 11. 11. Well, quite or normal, 12. Quite normal, quite normal that a person decides to set up their first <laughs> business and then have a range of uh, web services. I mean, that in itself, okay, and then I know you studied, you, you, you mentioned it, but you've got a, a computer science academic qualifications, lots of them and different universities. Why, I mean, some kids, I've got, I've got four kids, some are really interested in tech. I mean, they all like, they live in a different world to the one that I grew up in for sure. Some are super interested in it, some are less interested in it. What piqued your interest about technology? Do you remember what it was that it gave you that made you think that life was better with it? To be perfectly honest with you, someone offered me money to build them a website. And at the time, I think what they offered me was the average monthly salary in Romania. And as a kid, that was just super exciting. I was already very interested. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to have a computer growing up. My parents were able to, to provide that for my brother and, and I. By the way, my brother is a co-founder in, in my current business, which we'll talk about. But yeah, it was, it was just exciting for me that I got to work on interesting puzzles to solve because you know, I was effectively being paid to learn um, things that I was interested in learning. And it rapidly expanded from there to a point where I was able to to sustain a lot of my just personal, mm. I wouldn't say expenses to the extent. My, my mom and dad would still feed me and whatnot. But other than that, like, That's you know, nice. I, would, That's good. I, good. I still remember when I bought my first watch and things like that. It was, it was, it was cool. It, I just enjoyed making my own money. And it's good to know they fed you because, I mean, obviously, otherwise yes. we'd have to have a whole different kind of conversation about what kind of parents are. I'm sure they were wonderful. <laughs> Did they also look after the commercial stuff then? I mean, obviously, an 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid, however numerate you are, however great you are technically, 
if you're getting money in, you need to make sure it's collected properly, it's accounted for, and all those things. I assume that they then took on that role for you until Absolutely, you were able yeah. to. Absolutely, yeah. My do mom it. managed all of all of that aspect and effectively made sure that everything was done to spec. I was yeah. just concerned with finding customers, bringing <laughs> them in. <laughs> uh, transacting them and then but delivering you, the output. I mean, you say all those things, and of course, those that is the foundation of any business. Find find your market, go get people. But you were a kid, Andre. I mean, you're pretty young now, but was that daunting at the time? Or was it just, no, no, I've got something I can offer and I kind of know where to look. I mean, how did you go about even ascertaining what we would now call a business plan look like? To be perfectly honest, it was organic because... Once I got the first website in place, then, you know, at some point the word spread and then someone else had a friend of a friend who needed something and I got introduced and I delivered it for that. And then after the first two, three projects, you're just doing it. Most of the, the deal flow, so to speak, was, was, was pretty organic and, and mm-hmm. referral based. I didn't actually pursue like a more traditional, let's say, any sort of like lead generation or, or anything like no. that. There was just demand. <laughs> and mind you, this was early 2000s where, you know, most website flash was still around. I remember when I built a bunch of like, I was super excited to, to build animated websites. And there was this one particular customer who, yeah, needed like a very interactive uh, setup because they had the more consumer facing brand. I got to build even like commercials that would get played in in, in my hometown on like a, a giant like screen and stuff. So like for me, a lot of these things were cool. And the fact that there are all these people and and, and entities interested in me delivering uh, these these types of services, it was just fun. Just fun. I mean, that's I love the way you just described that. And you're going to hear lots more from my, my business shaper who's <laughs> describing building a business as fun, which is, of course, um, ideal, right? Otherwise... Um, it would be a pretty miserable pursuit. Stay with me for much more from Andre Papancha. He's my business shaper today. He's the co-founder, CEO, and chief product officer at NLX. Right now, though, let's hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Dulcie Pearson, strategy consultant at MDRX, and Tom Grogan, CEO of MDRX, discuss how AI is unlocking value for businesses across the economy. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. What are the key risks for companies to be looking out for when it comes to using AI? So cybersecurity and data protection, that starts with just good old-fashioned best practice software engineering. But in AI in particular, it means making sure that you're not leaking data back to the provider of the foundational model. Mitigation for this is really easy. Set up a private closed environment in which you can experiment and learn and test as organization. That is a a couple of short weeks and not a huge amount of money to make sure that you're securing the core of your organization. The second is IP, making sure you have the licenses to do what you want to do with that data. That varies hugely between foundational models and licenses that you can take with them. Some you will be able to commercially exploit, i.e. sell, some you will not. So make sure you have a clear handle on on what you can and cannot do and your teams have a clear handle on what you can and cannot do. And make sure you are availing yourself, if you can, of the indemnity being offered by Microsoft if your organization is operating within the Azure suite. They're currently offering an indemnity that you need to make sure that you you tick a few boxes and jump through a few hurdles to avail yourself of. But that means that in the event that later there is an IP claim from the 
content creators whose works have gone into training some of these models and that claim bites on you, Microsoft will, will pay out. Make sure you're availing yourself of that. And finally, have a clear eye to what is a, a very rapidly evolving and globally disconnected AI regulatory landscape. Uh, you don't want to find out that your global organization is compliant in three jurisdictions and non-compliant in others. That's a, that's a horrible place to be. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. My guest today, all the way from New York City via Romania, is Andre Papancha, co-founder, CEO and chief product officer of NLX, the conversational AI platform. We were talking about you and how you naturally grew your business, how there was demand and you just went and did your thing. You make it sound so easy. Obviously, at some point, you then, the family or you make a decision for you to be educated and and go to the US. You've been in the US for 11 years, you said. Is that correct? That's correct. That feeling of leaving and that feeling of being an immigrant, let's start with coming to America, invoking a very famous film, which is one of my favourites. But okay, it, that moment in, in you arriving... What was that like, if you can cast your mind back? How did you feel emotionally about coming to a foreign country to study at a quote-unquote big university? It was a mix of emotions. I was excited, and at the same time, I didn't know what to expect. I, I remember my first flight to the U.S. ever, which was particularly to come here for college. One, I sat next to this one individual on the plane, who effectively spent the better part of the flight telling me about how I need to be very careful about what I do and be worried about the police and whatnot in the U.S. And it was just this this very eerie conversation where put a little bit, I I don't know if I would say fear, but just kind of wariness of like, where exactly am I going? Uh, by the way, I never, I never came to experience whatever he. <laughs> You're was quickly saying. About. By the way, it's okay. Like, I've had no brushes with the police. It's fine. I'm a law-abiding citizen, so it turns out that generally works okay. But the entire trip was just sprinkled with a bunch of, I don't know, new things. But I didn't quite know. Even up until I got to campus, then I got faced with let's call it the American uh, hospitality, or for a while that I, I I looked at a little bit as a facade, mainly because. People ask you, it's like, hey, how's your day? And where I grew up, if someone asks you about your day, they care about how your day was. So, so I would start like telling them about my day and whatnot. So I had a little bit of like a culture shock that I feel dissipated relatively quickly, mainly because for the first time, I was just immersed in this multicultural environment. There were like, you know, students from all over the world with all kinds of interesting stories and backgrounds. And I feel my adjustment was pretty rapid because of that. Mm. And now looking back, like, I don't know if I could, for the time being, live anywhere else. I, I enjoyed the multicultural nature of, of the United States. But in particular, I also live in New York, right? Which is probably which is a very different place. crown jewel in that regard. But I think, and this, we're going to move into it, the, the NLX world shortly, the sense that you try new stuff and the sense to in, in the world of work that you try new stuff, are you like that in your personal life? Was this move, and obviously this is not a, an individual at a young age making a decision on his or her own, but in general, do you are you quite happy to push the edges of what happens in Andre's personal life, or is that more of a thing that he focuses on 
because it works and it excites him intellectually for business? Most, most certainly. I, I, I reflected on this more in the last couple of years, especially through my current entrepreneurial journey. I do prefer playing at the edge, being at the cutting edge. I prefer being uncomfortable rather than playing it safe. I don't like routine. Obviously, there's a certain amount of routine I have in my life just for, for sanity's sake, but I like my day each and every single day being somewhat ad hoc. Obviously, I have a schedule, I have a calendar and whatnot, but I enjoy not knowing what I'll have to do in a week, if that makes sense. And that applies across the board in my life, all the way to, you know, just enjoying sports, for instance, extreme sports, including. I went with my brother heli skiing at some point, right? Of course. I was a little afraid for my life. But then after that, I, I just enjoyed the adventure, the, that feeling of adventure and just the challenge of, I don't know, like the challenge of solving problems makes me feel alive. Let's, let's put it that way. And that applies across the board, not just in business. That's a really nice way of putting it. And on the, on the NLX website, there's a great line, which I love, which is we set our imagination as the limit rather than starting with what the tool set can do today. So let's talk about NLX for a minute. So at what point did you, and I know it wasn't, if I understand, apart from your very first business, what was your very first business called? way back in the day in year in, in um, primary school do you remember <laughs> uh yes andre media and consulting <laughs> andre media and consulting of course it was then you set up a, i think a, a co- co-founded another business called magata mangata sorry mangata mangata an on-demand premium gift service delivery as you do delivery service which was for a couple of years and then i think you moved into this new world so just what tipped you over the edge to say i'm now going to set up this business with my brother vlad and it was peter wasn't it peter from hungary what was, the, right. what was the tipping point at that stage? Mangata was a quick startup stint I did with my brother. That was our first startup together. And effectively, he was just in his junior year in college, going into the summer, didn't have an internship, lined up. And then I, I had this idea. So I thought I'd create an internship for him and turned out into a, a, a nice little business experience. We, we learned a whole bunch of things. And eventually he went back to obviously complete his college. And both my brother and I tend to like riff off of each other. We worked on a lot of consulting projects in the past too, especially as he grew into a young adult, like we, we started collaborating on projects and we were at dinner one night. What's the age difference, Andre? We're four and a half years apart. Nowadays it feels less and less, but yes, we're maybe a small school generation apart. And we had at some point a project for a client that required us to do some conversational AI style stuff, like some chatbot that enabled that particular business to interface with their clients through this conversational interface. And after that project and a few others, we realized like, well, hold on, we're rebuilding this thing over and over again. And the other thing I realized is nobody was really looking at this space or the technology through the lens of how I experienced it at American Express. And Coincidentally, my uh, high school friend, Peter, he is of Hungarian heritage, but uh, we grew up in the same hometown and we met at a contest back when we were both back in Romania. Uh, By the way, shout out to Peter. He is an Olympic gold medalist internationally in physics. So anything math driven, Peter (laughs) is just phenomenal. You know what's emerging? I got to tell you, you know what's emerging, Andre, is that um, I'm talking to someone obviously I knew is rather intelligent. I mean, a couple of computer science, you know, Columbia University, one before that. You are surrounded by people that we may call geniuses. I mean, this does help. I'm not, you know, I'm not disregarding your entrepreneurial flair. 
But the intellect you need to actually make this stuff work under the hood is big, right? These aren't these aren't normal industry pursuits. People that get That's into right. artificial intelligence really need to understand how to make things work. That's right. Well, and ultimately, I'm perfectly content with my skills and abilities. So, which we, uh, and I how like would to you, get other people. And how would you define those skills? What's your number one skill? If I only gave you one to put into my magic hat, what would it be? The super skill. I'm just a generalist problem solver. And in that problem solving, part of the solution might involve relying on others to deliver it. But I tend to, I don't know, over the years as I reflected, I, I think I have a pretty good ability at dealing with abstract concepts and distilling them into something that can then be solved. We have a, an amazing advisor who used to run Blue Origin for a number of years, took it from 10 people to over 1,500 as its uh, president. And I've always been fascinated with space and whatnot. So, you know, I asked him at some point, like, hey, Rob, his name is Rob. How does one get started on a rocket company? You know, like, especially when you're just 10 people, like, and his answer was just like, I, I found it to be so insightful because it, it's that concept that, you know, Amazon has, I think, touted pretty early on where you work backwards from the problem. And effectively, they thought, well, First of all, you know, rockets have some shared components from where engineering got us to today. And one of the most important components is the payload that you take up in this, this case that you'll probably want to bring back down to Earth. Well, how big should we make that payload? Let's make sure it fits six people. Why six people? Three couples, right? So all of a sudden, you take literal rocket science and distill it into just smaller problems that you can solve as a unit, and then eventually you can solve the more holistic problem. So I, I take a similar approach to, or I've learned to take a similar approach to, to problem solving over the years. And in that, there are problems I can solve, and there are problems that I can define that I need someone else to solve. And, and just to articulate in your own words, what problem were you solving when you set up NLX? We're solving the problem of enabling businesses, enterprises, to streamline their operations, to scale more easily using the power of conversational AI. As you mentioned, concepts like artificial intelligence, even software engineering more broadly, they're complex. They need subject matter experts and people with a level of expertise that might not be accessible to everyone. So my goal and my co-founder's goal through this journey is to simplify and democratize access to this type of technology, in particular conversational AI in this case, and allow businesses to focus on what actually matters, their business problem, how they scale efficiently. Obviously, the pandemic has exposed a lot of operational inefficiencies. I was in New York throughout, and one day you can literally buy toilet paper, the next day you cannot. And that's it's a pretty surreal thing to experience, especially in a place like New York, right? Where for as long as I've been here, it feels like the world caters to it. And to see how brittle that layer of convenience in today's world is, was, was quite fascinating. So ultimately, you see all these businesses that can't meet demand to answer questions or help their customers. And our product and our company is meant to enable them to, to scale those operations, but scale them thoughtfully in a way where their customers receive good service. So it's not just about deflection where hey, here's a bot, I'm going to make sure you never get to speak to a human being ever. It's like, hey, here's a bot, and there might be a number of things that you can self-service on 
right away versus waiting half an hour or an hour on hold. Makes sense. Stay with me for my final chat with Andre Papancha, who's making problem solving sound very, very straightforward. And I think you and I both know it isn't. We've also got some new Jacob Collier. So that's another reason to not go anywhere. It's all coming back here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. So your business, this business which is solving the problem you just described about making it easy for businesses to scale using artificial intelligence appropriately, as you said, um, you've had it funded, people are investing behind you, significant funds. Where does it go from here? What are the, the big challenges that you see right now? I mean, I'll give you mine. My view of artificial intelligence is it's misunderstood. Artificial intelligence, and there's, a, there's two big schools of thought. It's great for humanity, and it's a massive, massive threat for everybody that's got a job. Where does Andre sit in terms of those very simple ends of the spectrum? The way I look at this is not unlike maybe the industrial revolution or let's say the automotive revolution, right? Up until the car was invented, or let's maybe go to the steam engine, right? You'd rely on carts and horses and things like that. And all of a sudden you have trains and other types of vehicles that can transport people faster, more efficiently with less. You don't need animals anymore for just to kind of leave it to that. You know, the technological revolution evolved all the way to where you have computers and uh, now computers can do all kinds of things better and better and faster for people. Now, if I just kind of double click a little bit on what the state of artificial intelligence is today, all artificial intelligence models today are rooted and deeply rooted in statistics, which means they're effectively stochastic models. There's some level of, of just math that goes behind them. There's no like actual sentience with them. What was your name then? What did you call the model? Stochastic. So it's like, you know, it's, it's just rooted in, in math and statistics. There's I no see. magic, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the magic is that computers can execute a lot of calculations and computations very, very fast. And obviously, algorithms have evolved over years where the fascination and, and the, the innovation of things like ChatGPT, for instance, are made possible. And by the way, absolutely fascinating technology, super helpful in so many different ways. But at the same time, going back to the impact of such technology, especially like ChatGPT or you know whatever NLX does, which, by the way, we, we enable these enterprises to deliver these applications across chat, voice, and our multimodal channels. Now, in practice, if you call up your bank, for instance, right, and you're asking about some FAQ, some repetitive routine process that these artificial intelligence systems can automate, that poor soul on the other end of the line is not excited to be reading off a script, right? Maybe... I'll plan this for you and anyone who, who listens to this. Next time you talk to someone to get service of any kind and you have a more complicated process, just see how likely the person on the other end of the, the line, they're, they're excited. They're excited to, to just kind of like do something that's outside of their norm. And that's because humans are, are fantastic at dealing with abstraction. Computers are not. Computers are inherently actually very stupid. I'm gonna say it, they're just able to execute transactions, millions, billions of transactions, incredibly fast. And that beats humans by a long shot at those particular tasks. 
that are repetitive and predictable and routine, etc. But then we'll still need humans to drive the innovation, to use the, the marvel that the human brain is that's able to kind of deal with so many abstract concepts to do something else. It, I, I see it as a shift. And I think you can think of technology in general like, like this. It's meant to augment humans, so it unlocks their time to do something else. And that something else is hopefully something that continues to better humanity, more discoveries. I mean, people are explorers at their core, right? So you're positive that you are saying for humanity, if we get this right, there's exploration, there's fun, there's the reduction in this this boring stuff that doesn't excite us. Well, I mean, I really hope you're right. I think I'm with you. I'm always an optimist. I, you know, I think even if the world's burning, I go, no, no, it's okay. We're going to solve the problem. Um, I would love <laughs> to chat to you for so much longer, Andre, but we're going to run out of time really fast. Thank you so much for making the time today, all the way from New York City, um, where there is toilet paper now, for lots of good reasons. I mean, it's important <laughs> that uh, New Yorkers have toilet paper, and we could have a whole other conversation about that as well. Just before I let you disappear into the sunset or sunrise, actually, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Well, let's see. I'd say uh, What a Wonderful World. It's, it's one of my favorite songs, and I don't know, I associate with songs that give me a very hopeful feeling. I, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. And yeah, I'd say it's, it's probably one of my favorite songs. That was Louis Armstrong with What a Wonderful World, the song choice of my business shaper today, Andre Papancha. He talks about preferring to play at the edge, being uncomfortable, and also saying he doesn't like routine. All excellent traits for an entrepreneur. He talks about being a generalist problem solver, really important when you're running a business and you set one up. And finally, I really like this, he talks about working backwards from the problem. Not a new thing to say, but a really good reminder of what makes things work. Great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.